podcast on the practical steps which firms need to embark on to implement the FCA's new consumer duty. I'm Amy Samaria and I'm joined today by Alex Ainley, Tim Boyce and Caroline Hunter-Yates. Now, we know that data and management information need to be at the heart of a firm's implementation of the consumer duty. Really, it's the basis for knowing whether you are complying or not. But Alex, can I ask you to give us an overview of how it fits into the consumer duty rules? Absolutely. Thanks, Amy. So, yeah, data and monitoring are critical to the consumer duty. So we think that it's so important it merits drawing out as a separate work stream with its own steering group and with data champions in your business teams. Don't forget that at least annually your governing body is going to need to look at a report that assesses customer outcomes. And we will in a future podcast have a look at what goes into that report in more detail. And by the way, you probably need to do a first report ahead of April 2023. But in order to decide what goes into the report, you know, the pack of MI needed, you're first going to have to think about how you look at your data across existing and legacy products and how you'll define that data, collect it, aggregate it, assess it and action it. And, you know, we could give you a very, very long list of what your expanded data set will need to include, but it's going to be things like, depending on who you are, customer feedback and complaints, product persistency and cancellation, customer drop-off rates uh, during an initiation process, call waiting times, volumes, abandoned calls. You can do customer experience testing through focus groups, mystery shopping, etc. Importantly, staff feedback, honest feedback from your own staff, your fees and charges and the main drivers of income, customer arrears and default data, and very importantly, data about vulnerable and diverse customers. And for retail banks, customers with low financial resilience are going to be a really key focus in 2023. And we've been doing a lot of work on this um, with clients. So consider what is achievable, practically speaking, by April 2023, and then what you'll need to show as work in progress in your ongoing implementation plan. Thank you so much, Alex. That's really helpful. And Caroline, could you just give us a reminder of some of the basics in terms of MI and what the FCA is expecting? Yes, here you just have to remember eight things um, and I'm going to split them into four things and, um, and then a further four things. Um, so the, the, the start is your MI needs to be accurate, timely, relevant and consistent. Um, and that really kind of gives you a basis to have something to, to then um, look at. One, in terms of looking at it, it needs to be looked at, um, it needs to be challenged, um, actively monitored and acted upon, and also recorded. And in terms of MI, it's that sort of, you know, how do I know when I've got it at the right level? It's, it needs to be granular enough so that you can spot um, any outliers, but aggregated enough so that you actually can see the wood for the trees. And it's important to remember that managers are expected to challenge the content of the MI and kind of consider its reasonableness. So, you know, if you've got 70% more queries last week, then why hasn't the time to deal with the queries risen? So it is that kind of sense check. Thanks, Caroline. And I suppose that last point about senior managers providing challenge ties into a broader SMCR point around senior managers and their overarching responsibilities in respect of the consumer duty. I know that the FCA hasn't suggested that there needs to be a single manager responsible for compliance with all aspects of the duty, but rather each senior manager needs to be responsible for delivering compliance with the consumer duty in relation to their areas of responsibility. And so, MI receiving it and critically assessing it will be a critical piece for them amongst other things. Um, Tim, 
could I ask you to bring to life for us how firms collect data um, that tells them whether a consumer has had a good outcome? Yeah, thanks, Amy. Uh, I mean, it's a very good question, is it? Because um, on the one hand, yeah, a good outcome uh, is a question of judgment um, for a firm. And MI is just data. So yeah, how do you get from one to the other in a way that, that makes sense? Um, and I think there are quite a few questions that firms can ask themselves to um, uh, to challenge themselves to come to the right answer on that. Um, uh, and, and those re really relate to things concerning you know, data collection uh, and then data monitoring. So overlapping with some of the things that Caroline has said. Uh, but just to try and bring a, bring a, couple, of, a couple of those um, to life, um, and this really comes from some of our experience in some of the, of the enforcement investigations that we've done uh, where these sorts of issues crop up. Uh, for example, is the data uh, that's being collected uh, data that is the right data uh, or is it in fact uh, being provided by functions in the firm who are collecting it and then it's being subsumed into a, into a data set uh, for a different purpose? Um, and we quite often see that data is being collected by a credit risk function or an operations function um, uh, that may be less focused on customer outcomes than in fact uh, the, the, the customer facing business would be. Um, then on the question of monitoring and customer outcomes testing, you know, monitoring who, who is actually doing that, do they have the right culture, cultural emphasis um, and what is actually being done as part of that monitoring process. Uh, is our active steps being taken um, you know, once that data has been has been collected? And I think if there's sort of no evidence of a journey of continuous improvement, if you like, in the light of the MI, um, then that's probably quite a strong in indicator that the MI itself is not that great. Uh, so I think that's a question that uh, firms need to need to keep asking themselves. A couple of points on customer outcome uh, testing. We quite we sometimes see that firms put all their eggs in their eggs in one basket, and if they have a good customer outcomes testing program, uh, or one they think is good, then they think that kind of covers all covers all the basis. Uh, uh, so they're kind of treating it as a proxy, really, for for monitoring and MI review by the first line of defence. Uh, but uh, I think there's a there's a danger of overreaching in relation to that. So probably from a good risk management perspective. Yeah, it, it, the, the, the right balance is to develop customer outcome testing as part of a broader range of, of, mon of monitoring um, and then, then both coming together with a program of continuous improvement. Um, and the last thing I'd, I'd mention, Amy, is that uh, is what sometimes it gets called the whole client view. So is a firm taking into account all the different products that it is selling to one client when it's trying to come to this judgment um, about good outcomes? Thank you, Tim. That's incredibly helpful. And thank you, Caroline and Alex. I hope for our listeners, you found this a useful introduction to the aspects of MI which firms need to be grappling with. Our next podcast will discuss board reporting and some of the challenges around that.